This episode of the AFTN Soccer Show is brought to you by Recovery Family Law. Recovery Family Law is here to help you solve your family law problems. If you are going through a separation or divorce, they can provide you the confidence to make good decisions and support to enforce your rights. If you have a question about property, children or support, they have the answers. It's not too late or too early to get help. Email info at recoveryfamilylaw.ca or visit recoveryfamilylaw.ca and let their team get you excellent results. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. back my friends to the show that never ends there's still time the AFTN soccer show broadcasting on CITR radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia I'm Michael McCall and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower and we are back with another packed show of white caps and MLS chat predominantly those two topics we're going to be covering on the show this week and after a couple of bumper shows with a a couple of feature interviews every week I thought no feature interview this time we'll just have some chat and I'm going to try and keep this as a short show Zach so just three parts and two hours which to me is a short show let's talk when we're done talking yeah okay I've (laughs) started the timer now yeah (laughs) Uh, I mean, in, in part for that, to give the, the listeners a break, but also you might hear, I, I think I'm coming down with a cold or something. My voice is starting to go a little bit. I'm getting a, I'm getting a Shetland pony, a um, little horse. I, yeah, a little horse, there you go. Um, but yeah, I was, I, don't I was know. worried where you were going with that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love a Shetland pony. I think they're adorable little creatures. There was a, there was a, one of these little, there was a little road by where I grew up in, my elementary school years and there was a, a little street that went through our neighborhood and part of it was like when it, it became an alley it wasn't even actually a road and it was called shetland and of course someone of course graffitied over it and with an eye over the e i've been to shetland it is a lovely set of islands it's somewhere i would i'd consider return to actually it's a beautiful part of scotland how how like where does it rank on like in on your list of retirement spots? Because I've already talked about a lot of it. Yeah, we had a whole bit in the show that I cut out one episode. <laughs> um, it it would be top five, I think. Nice. Probably, probably coming in at fifth if okay. we're doing a flash five. Which, well, funnily get, enough, we'll, we are going to be doing a flash well, five yeah, in, yeah. in the next part of the show. 
Oh my. I have like four. I think I have four lists for that flash drive. Oh. You asked I, me for two lists. I, I, I I've gone back and forward on it. And we're, we're talking about the MLS kits. We're going to be looking at that in the next part. In the final part, we're going to look at, at some of the big talking points around MLS, including referees being locked out and sporting initiatives on the pitch. This part, we're going to, to talk all about white caps. But before we get into that, how has your week been? You're you're not sounding like you you have a cold at least. No, no cold. In uh, a good week, a full week. Uh, you and I were talking before the show. Yeah, I had a very full Sunday of the family day weekend. Um, I know you didn't even have time to watch the the World Seniors Darts Championship that yes. I was watching this afternoon. What was is on the zone or something? It's on something else now. Right? Uh it was all on BBC. I, I watched it on yeah. YouTube as well. But the Highlander, Big Hendo, won. For Scotland, there's been three senior darts world championships and they've all been won by a Scottish person. The commentator said today that there's going to be people over 50 watching this, playing in their bedroom thinking, I could be in this tournament. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to try and get in this tournament. I'm going to practice and I'm finally going to be a professional sportsman. (laughs) Um, uh, Please tell me that's Snake bite. Peter Wright has won one of them. No, because he's still on the. the oh, because he's on the, yeah. He's yeah, not he, a senior yet. Okay. Well, no, he does qualify to be a senior because he oh, is okay. over fifty. But he's still playing on the main tour, and he's still ranked in like, like the top five in the world. So, but th- this is once all these guys retire, it's like they're going to be mopping up the seniors thing. So I've got the small window to practice and get in, because I was watching some of it over the last few days, and I was like. I throw more than that in my bedroom. <laughs> uh, there was a good Canadian run, Jim Long. He got to the semis. He got beat by Hendo in the semis, so he nearly had a Canadian champ. A long run from Long. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess folk aren't here to hear about the darts chat, and that we're probably we're, we're getting into the. This is going to be a long podcast territory already because I'm getting sidetracked. So let's just get straight into the football. And we're going to be talking Whitecaps in this part. Sadly, the Whitecaps are out of the Champions Cup before it has even really feels like it's begun. A 3-0 loss in Monterey against Tigris on Wednesday evening saw them go down to a 4-1 aggregate defeat. Overall, a good performance, I felt, over the two legs. Three... Good halves of football, I, I I thought they put in. And I, I also, I come away from it, I can't help but feeling it, it felt like one that got away because it was very much there for the taking. Yeah, I, I think everyone is thinking back to the to the game at Starlight where uh, I felt like some missed opportunities mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, obviously... Uh, it would be too harsh to call it a collapse in the game, but you know, conceding that free kick and that goal and kind of deflated, I think, the the value of what what they did there. And yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I I agree. I agree with you that I think on the whole, I think Vanny and his staff will be, uh, you know, m- more or less pleased and and be able to take a number of positives from it. Yeah, and. Like three 0 in the night, four one in aggregate. I I don't feel it was a fair reflection 
of how close the the two games were, and they they had their chances. Like down there in Mexico, I I genuinely felt they were the the better team in that first half. Yeah, and again, Tigres just didn't know how to play against them. There was a couple of chances for Laborda. There was a couple yeah. of chances for Krylak. He had the ball in the net. Obviously, it was offside. But like they were creating the chances. They looked a better team. They looked a hungrier team. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of bollocking Tigres got at half time, but they came out a completely different side in that second half. Oh, totally. Yeah, that was the the, the corner from the header from Laborda. Yeah, he thought like, oh man, you, that, that that's a goal. That just like changes everything, right? Oh, yeah. But I mean, even when they went one behind, Mm-hmm. It didn't really change the game that much because no. they, they went there knowing that they had to score. And the only thing that changed is they still had to score. And if they scored, they'd just be back on level terms. But it didn't change the dynamic too much because they still had to try and get a goal. And to their credit, after giving up that goal six minutes into the second half, they still took the game to Tigris. And they, they certainly had chances. They went Mm -hmm. two behind, partly because they were pushing to try and get the equaliser. But it was the not capitalising on the chances taken. But we'll hear a little bit post-game from Vanny in a second. But that that was his big takeaway, that they they created, they didn't finish. I mean, one of the worst ones was when Fafa did so well to centre the ball into the six-yard box, and then White just couldn't connect with it. Yeah, well, wasn't there also? Because so I, I uh, the, the the other chance I was going to ask you about was I like the last game I was working when it was so I couldn't watch it live. Um, but one of the first things I heard about the game was there was you know this big whiff from Krylak. Very early in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very early in the game. Um, so that, and then yeah, then I heard about the White miss and whatever. So then I watched highlights and went back and, and looked at her and. Yeah, there's just if again it, we we talked about this before, but it 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 feels like they're the preseason side, right? Like oh, you, yeah. you, you you figure like in April they're they're bearing those chances. Yeah, I mean we know Brian White sometimes needs eight to ten chances to put one away, and against a team like Tigris on their home yeah. patch, you're not going to get that amount of chances. But if if you were a little bit sharper. Because you're in mid-season form, you've got more of a chance of getting on the end of that. So I don't think we can read too, too much into that. I I take a positive that at this stage they are creating the chances. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think that's one of the the things that Vanny and the coaching staff will be encouraged by. Yeah, and that again, that was one of his takeaways. It just disappointed they didn't take it. And the, the, like the third goal, they were still pushing when they were, were two down and then they just left themselves short at the back. Tigres, by far, were the, the better team in that second half. But out mm-hmm. the four halves played, that was just one half that Tigres basically showed up. And I, I was on a, a show just chatting about this uh, on, on Friday as well. One of the questions that was posed to me was, did I feel Tigres maybe took the Whitecaps too lightly did they think oh, they haven't played a game yet this is going to be a bit of a walkover and I, I don't think it was quite that 
but I don't think Tigris expected to to get the fight that that they had. Yeah, I, well, I think too. It's not like they don't know the Whitecaps, right? It's yeah. not like they don't have experience to draw on, and I think they'll. I think like everyone else, Michael, in the last what year, two year and a half, two years, they'll say they know they know Tigris now knows experientially that this is probably the best Whitecaps side of the MLS era, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was a bit disappointed just in some of the, the Whitecaps groups and stuff that I'm read or I'm a part of. There was a couple, mainly the younger fans, that were like, ah, oh, who cares? This is a stupid competition anyway. Oh, really? And yeah, I, I usually I don't reply. I had to. I was like, how is it stupid? It's a gateway to the FIFA Club World Cup. Yeah. yeah and the reply strange. was, well, it's not as if we're going to win it. And it's like... W- are we going to win MLS? Should we not bother competing in that then? Because it doesn't look like we're going to win that either. Yeah, that's a strange. I just, I, yeah, I don't get that way of looking at it. This is a massive competition. It's like I, I put this below MLS, maybe even slightly above MLS because of the gateway of what it can lead to. I put it above the Canadian Championship. Obviously, it helps if you win that to get into this, but there's other mechanisms. I put it above the League's Cup, obviously, as well. Just because what is at the end of this? I just... And because I've always valued, like, intercontinental competitions, because I've grown up in the old European Cup and Cup Winners' Cup and UEFA Cup over in Europe, that I, I appreciate those kind of competitions. But with what's dangling at the end of the rainbow now for this, it's a massive prize. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the. Ch- I mean, for maybe younger fans or newer fans or whatever, yeah, this is the cha- this is the Champions League, right? And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how big of a side you are in it, you want to try and you know get to the next round, and especially when it's a a knockout thing. I know the home and away makes it a little more difficult, but you always have a chance, and you always want to be. It's yeah, it's I don't know. I remember back in the day with the, with the first time or first couple of times we got into it. I know we there was the group stage stuff and whatever mm. or the whatever. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, the group stage, I, right? I I don't like group stages. I, I, I don't. I, oh, I didn't know. I didn't mind it back then. I just remember our group stages were uninspiring because they were yeah. like an MLS team we played a million times and, and yeah and, and usually and they didn't they didn't care and they put in B teams at like that yeah. Kansas City game oh, yeah no it was, wasn't the first time wasn't that how we met the uh, Romel Kyoto right they were in our yeah Olympia. yeah like, and he got great. he got injured and yeah and then the first time it was against Tigers too was also kind of like wow you know oh I mean that was a um, fantastic occasion semi-final yeah. as well yeah I mean this has the potential to, to have so many great memories for us if we can build the team. And like you can say, oh, we're not going to win it anyway. Montreal and Toronto, they've made runs to the final. Yeah. And came within a ball here of like lifting that trophy and being the first MLS team to do it. And of yeah. course, Seattle, sadly, have been <laughs> the first MLS team to do it. But it's like, it's very, very possible. This is the competition that you would really love to have in August from an MLS team's point of view. Yeah. From a Mexican team's point of view, August is the worst time to have it. Yeah. So the best time for everyone is probably like July, June, maybe. But then that's also not a great time because then you wouldn't have Canadian Championship and Open Cup. And 
Well, we know it more clash of that League's Cup thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm I'm talking about like just do that at the end of the season or something that's Yeah. That's not going away anytime soon though. It seems to I, I was excited about it last year and as I said this year just not as much just with the tinkering and the draw and yeah. Anyway, we won't get sidetracked on that. Let's hear a little bit from Vanny post-game. It was an interesting post-game press conference because there was all the Mexican journalists there. So the first few questions were all in Mexican, or Spanish, rather. (laughs) Um, Mexican Spanish. (laughs) So then they went to Zoom. (laughs) Then they went to Zoom and I asked my question. And then Felipe was on. And Felipe asked his question in Spanish. Oh, did but he? Full credit to Vanny, he answered in English. Okay. <laughs> so we've got a little bit of audio of me asking Vanny and also Felipe's question, which I've cut out because it was in, in Mexican or Colombian, <laughs> I guess, in his case. And Vanny's answer to that, which his question was basically just around how, how does this prepare you for the league? What can you take into the league? Anyway, here's Vanny. Hey Vanny, 4-1 aggregate loss maybe doesn't quite reflect how these two games played out, but there was enough chances there tonight to to get that first goal, to to get yourself in the game. I picked up a little bit of what what you were saying in Spanish there, but but what's your main takeaways from this game and taken now into the MLS season? The main takeaway for for this game is that, uh, again, we need to keep our structure. We need to play every minute till the end. And, uh, of course, we need to score our chances. So uh, even after the goal that we conceded, we had 25 minutes really good till minutes 85-ish uh, because we were keeping our structure. We were defending very well. And we ne- we need to stay in the game. In the last 10 minutes, we went a little crazy. We went a little bit too much uh, trying everyone to 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 win to win the game by, by himself. And, of course, we become... Unbalanced and a good team like Tigres can can score against us. So, yeah, that's the that's the thing that uh, that's the takeaway from these two games. If we keep our structure, if we do the thing that we are supposed to do, we can go toe to toe against one of the best team in uh, Concacaf. So it's very, I would say, uh, auspicious for uh, for the thing that is going to happen in the league. Yes, for sure. Of course, we are not brilliant like uh, we. We are supposed to be during the season, and uh, we we are working on it. After this game, we are not going back home. We are we are going to Palm Springs to do another week of preseason, and our league is gonna start only in 15 days. So it's gonna be, uh, I would say, something that we work, of course, on our intensity, our to be more brilliant, to be to be better on the on the final third. But uh, again, I think that the base is there. We need to keep working and, uh, you know, uh, the first time last year, it wasn't a good one. The second one, the second time, maybe not. Uh, we like, uh, I like to be the Champions League. I like to, I would say, practice my Spanish in the in the, in the press conference. So uh, we hope we want to be in this competition next year too. So we need to be good in the league.
Vanny Sartini there, just with his post-game thoughts from the Tigris defeat. The focus is on the league now. For a spell, until we get into the next lot of cup competitions. Whenever that may be. We'll come to that in a sec. But I, I was impressed by a few really good individual performances again on Wednesday. Matthias Laborda, uh, liking what I'm yeah. seeing from him. Liking him in this back three. Very excited but by what he can bring. And Fafa, I, I liked the little burst we got last week. He was so good in, in this game, though, when he came on as a sub. He really was causing trouble. And it's an interesting dynamic that you've got. And when I spoke to Vanny last week about how he can fit in the team, it's a, it's a good one to mix things up. And you saw the danger that his pace can have spreading the game. And what I liked was... In the closing stages, when they're trying to really take it to a tiring Tigris, you had Faf on one wing and Levante Johnson on the other, and they really were causing some issues there. So I thought that was good. And Fafa started the maybe the last pre-season friendly. I think there'll probably be a few more games maybe against some USL teams. The Whitecaps are down in California at the moment. They played at a one-all draw. Missanese earthquakes on Saturday, bit of a hybrid side. Some guys were just getting rested and stuff, but Fafa started up front and uh, Gando got the goal as well, which will be good for his confidence. Don't know that we can take too much from that one. Joe Bendick mm-hmm. is now official and hasn't gone down well with the fan base from comments that, that I've seen. Now, we won't delve into all this again because we talked about it when it was first rumoured, but I, I like it in that you're adding an experienced backup. Yeah. I still think Isaac Bomer is the number two. Yeah. He got the start against San Jose. I don't know how much you can read into that. But what what I'm hoping how this plays out, Yohi's the number one, Bendick's on the bench for MLS games. If something happens to Yohei during the game Bendik will come in and then if he happens to be out the next game I want to see Isaac coming in as the number two with Isaac getting the regular playing time for WFC2 along with Max Anker and that's I think the that, only way Isaac's going to develop yeah I think that has to happen because I agree with you uh, on that and I, I get I get the concern that this feels like an uninspired you know signing or uninspired choice as, as the backup keeper but I still also think it's an improvement over like not that far in the past, like Cody Cropper. Yeah. You know? So I, I, yeah, uninspiring, sure. But I think it, he's serviceable in a way that can allow you to do what you just said in terms of he's not going to need any games of WFC two, and you can continue the development of of two of those really up and coming keepers, and and then also feel secure about you know no matter what happens, you have some experience there as well yeah so un- it, uninspiring but i think effective and i and i think not at this point i think not unwise if with the caveat if they play it out the way yeah. you just described if it plays out a different way yeah then i i don't think that's a good thing for isaac who has certainly more than shown that he's capable of coming in for games i think max anchor's still got a lot of development to do to get to that MLS level, but he's still very, very young, and I know they're very high in him, and and so am I. Last thing just to talk about here on the Whitecaps news is we're still awaiting 
the Canadian Championship draw and schedule. And there's been mm. lots of murmurs uh, around uh, True North Foot had... Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about it last time, right? No, we, we didn't, because yeah. I thought, ah, we'll see how that plays out. They had a, an article a few weeks ago saying that the CPL sides have basically made a proposal to the, the CSA for the format of the, the tournament, and the MLS sides are not in favour of the proposal. So naturally, a lot of the CPL fans are like, well, screw the MLS teams. It's They shouldn't have such a big say or whatever. But the proposal was for two-legged games. Surely we've moved past that. Uh, although I agree with some of the sentiments that just came out of your mouth, uh, I definitely... I definitely think the proposal, as I read it, was pretty awful, um, and, and and that's you know uh, contradictory to some of the way I feel about some of the other stuff. Yeah, I'm glad but, that I was uh, curious because I've never no, spoken to you it, about it, so I didn't no, know what your it, thoughts were. It was it, an awful proposal. If that la- was a genuine, if proposal. it was, if it was legit, yeah. These was it last year or last two years of the Voyagers Cup? It's never been better, aside from this uh, no extra time business. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so yeah. I, I know obviously uh, part of the uh, one of the one of the elements I don't know how small it's considered, but you know was the fact was the fact that they did a draw on one soccer. So obviously maybe yeah. we'll talk about because because this was going to be no draw, right? That and that's absolutely ridiculous. That you would take such steps forward and then kind of start taking steps backwards with this. Yeah, because it, 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 legit- it, it was like v- VFC against the Highlanders at yeah, Willoughby. It, so, <laughs> it, it, was, it was dumb. It was dumb. On, it was, the proposal was ridiculous on, on so many levels. You like A draw adds legitimacy to the competition mm-hmm. and adds to the, um, I don't know, the aura of it. Like the, yeah. and, and so. I mean, I, I genuinely would love an open draw. Like oh. no one, if there's enough yeah. teams in the future, which there will be, no one gets a buy. It's an open draw. If the if TFC and Montreal meet in the first round, so be it. I I am I am that I'm all for that. A total open draw, and I I know and none of this regional stuff. I understand why it's regional yeah. for now, and I understand the cost and is a is an issue not just for the non MLS non CPL sides. It's an issue for the CPL sides. Um, oh yeah, because so, like if if Halifax were to draw the Whitecaps in Vancouver, that's yeah. a that's a big trip for them when they've already got a couple of big trips to the island. Yeah, but but still, like that's what we it needs to grow, right? Like it, that's why if you're gonna have a sponsor, which they used to have sponsor for, if you're gonna have a sponsor for this, get the air get like Air Canada mm-hmm. or WestJet to sponsor it and and have part of their sponsorship be not just like maybe prize money for the tournament, but logistical money to help with those kinds of things, right? Yeah. But I know the, that's the, easier said than done, obviously. The, the but. other aspect to that, though, as well, like I, I totally get the regionalization of it. I yes, like it because I, I, you can travel to away games. I'm but, fine I'm fine with it for now. Yeah. But the long term has to be, you have to be working towards totally open, uh, totally open draw across the country. And like we said, uh, single eliminate like single match and the draw also has to include home and away so it's not like you know what i mean like you have to like the it's not like oh the bigger tier hosts or anything like that well yeah like my my ideal with the caveat that the home team can the home team that's chosen the draw can say to the other team if you you know 
if you want to host, we're okay with that. Yeah, because we can't afford to, or yeah. logistically, our small ground can't hold hold all the fans it's going to travel to, or or something like that. Right. I'm I'm saying this as a as a Whitecaps fan. The regionalization of it is not fair. Yeah. Because the Whitecaps will always be the one big MLS team in the West. So mm-hmm. it, it genuinely is not fair. Now, it's great because we're getting to have all these Champion League, League games if we, if we win it, but we've also seen how easy it is to come undone. And as the CPL grows and the teams get stronger, the gap will narrow. But as things currently stand, the Whitecaps have a huge advantage. Yeah. But they re- might re- never play an MLS team on their way to winning the trophy one year. Yeah, and that's that's only one of the reasons why the regional thing that needs to change is. I, well, actually, to me, that's not even a, a huge priority in why the regional thing needs to change. It needs to change for the legitimacy of the of the competition. Yeah, right. The, like, the other thing I really want to see, and I, it's not just the Canadian Championship. I I want this for all all cup competitions around the world, is the lower seed gets to host. Like, if you're not having replays in the FA Cup and stuff in the future. Yeah. The lower seeded team is the home team, but as you say, if they feel they want to change it, so like say a sixth tier team draws Man United, they'll want to switch to to play at Old Trafford because the money they'll make from that sets yeah. them up financially for ten years. So stuff like that, totally fine. It would be like Altitude FC got to host Toronto FC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might. Well, they'd probably want to play that at, at BC Place. That's not. Say they got to hold the host of White Caps. They're not going to say, "Let's play that at Kinsman Field." Yeah, I, I agree, but I, I also like they should have the right to. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, yeah, and if they want to, because it's like with, with TSS, like we had discussed this as part of the, the TSS group last year. If we'd beaten Pacific and we're hosting the White Caps. That game was going to be at Swan Guard. Yeah, it's like that was not getting moved to BC yeah. Place. Yeah, and that would have been, what an that occasion would have been that would magical. Have been. Yeah, yeah. For you guys. So the the latest that came out is apparently all the clubs are being ghosted by Canada Soccer. Now you've got to obviously take this with a pinch of salt. It's sources. Nothing's been a hundred percent confirmed. Michael, 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 it's soccer first at the CSA. Come on, man. <laughs> it, it does make you, again, it makes you wonder just what, is this one of the things that Dino didn't like maybe. whatever was going on? We, yeah, we ne- definitely need to sit down with Dino. Even just an off the record chat with Dino is going to be maybe a fascinating good. thing but, down the line. But also remember too, yeah. I mean, there. Uh, who knows? There's so many fires there to put out. Who knows what they're, what they're focused on, right? Like, well, but this you, is a you this say needs that, a but this kind of be, needs to be a priority for a yeah. number of reasons because the tournament could start in two months yeah. if we're looking at like last year. Now I'm thinking we could be looking at a later start. I would hope so, but then you've got your League One teams that they need to have a little bit of prep to be like, well, are we going to host? What are we going to do? And They need to do their, they to do their uh, crowdfunders, their, their GoFundMes. Their... Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know, like, TSS, we were probably, like, four to five months, of pl- not four to five weeks of planning for that Valor game, with everything that went with it. 
because it's like security if you're at home and all, mm. all the things that you don't usually have to think of as a, as a club in League One. And they'll be the same in Ontario, the same in Quebec. So they need to get this draw done and soon. Hopefully a draw and hopefully we get to see it. And it's not just, here's what we did behind the scenes. Especially if things come out the way that that proposal was leaked. And if Vancouver FC do host the Highlanders, folk are going to be like, well, that was fixed. Uh, yeah, it, it totally hurts the hurt. Well, it hurts the competition, and in 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 some people's eyes, yeah, it'll hurt the legitimacy or legitimacy of it all, right? And that's just not helpful, especially after, as we've said, you've taken so many good step forward steps yeah. forwards in the last two or three years. I know it. It's growing. It's exciting. You've opened it up, not as much as I want. I mean, may, maybe I'm just a dreamer here. But I'm not the only one, as John Lennon once said. Maybe they've just taken their time because they're like, let's open it up to more League One teams. Yeah, that's that's a dream. That's not going to happen yet. Yeah, that's... I wish. Yeah. Yeah. But at at the same time, if the Highlanders do come over here to take on VFC, I'll certainly be there enjoying that. I'll be on the, the phone to Steve Simonson saying, hey, you must need a media office on the mainland for that game. Any opportunity. Us Scots are taking over, you know. <laughs> that is it, though, for the Whitecaps chat. Oh, my. In a way. We're going to talk a little oh, bit yeah. more Whitecaps in the next part and general MLS. Because it's like Christmas all over. It's Christmas week for MLS as all the new jerseys launch. And you look at them. And you wonder why you got excited in the first place. Yeah. yeah. We'll be back chatting about all of that after this week's song from our Artist of the Month and our Album of the Month, Marion. I'm Isaac Bomer. I'm listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Exactly the same 
welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Brought to you in partnership with recoveryfamilylaw.ca. And kicking off this part, it's our album of the month here at AFTN for February. English band Marion, their 1996 album This World and Body. It was the band's debut album. And that was the second single from the band, the first of four to be released from this album. Originally released in 1995 when it reached number 53. It was re-recorded the next year reaching number 17 and that was then the fourth of the singles that had been released in 1996 from the album. The song is called Sleep and it's a fantastic track and I want to give a big shout out to Dave who got in touch on Twitter to say he is loving our Arts of the Month, Marion and genuinely and no BS here See, when people message me to say that how much they enjoy the music on the show, I enjoy getting those messages more than people saying that they've enjoyed our football chat. I, I hear you. That's, the, yeah. the football chat's more for me. The music, I'm trying to just spread the joy. Yeah. And we've got a good album of the month coming up next month as well, which ties in with my trip back to Scotland and various things, but we'll save that to, to March. And yeah, I just let us know if you do enjoy Marion and check out all the stuff on YouTube. You can find their two albums there and all the usual places as well. And Sleep, the name of that song there. Thankfully, both of us are more awake this week than we were last week, I think. Oh, I man. Still was I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about last week, dude. Oh, Folk man. might not know this. Zach actually fell asleep <laughs> twice during the recording. Literally fell asleep. Well, Michael, and I had to go. I, Zach, well, how, you, Michael, ask the listeners how many times did they fall asleep listening to the show? Oh, oh, uh, harsh yeah. but fair. Harsh but fair. I mean, I, see the amount of folks they say to me, "Oh, I don't don't listen to the podcast in one go anymore." I'm like, I don't, I don't blame you. Yeah, well, that's totally understandable. But I mean, I, some people maybe they put it on before they go to bed and they they fall asleep. Oh, like a, like a calm sleep story. Maybe, yeah. Mm. We we do that. There's, there's been a, a story about the dinosaur coast that I have got about two minutes into that we keep playing when I when I go to bed. If no one's used the calm app and the sleep stories, they are fantastic. I've heard good things. Because I, I am bad for, I, I, I do stuff on the computer, work away on articles, record stuff, edit stuff, right up until I go to bed. And then I go to bed and my brain just cannot switch off. It's just, I, I, I've always been like this. And I need to try and get out of it because earlier this year I had some really bad insomnia for a couple of, of weeks. I just could not fall asleep at all. But it's I'm getting back into the swing of things only to get probably messed up with jet lag in a few weeks' time when I head over. But we'll get back to the football chat now because, as mentioned in the last part, it was the MLS kit launch week. All of the clubs released their new jerseys that they have for 2024. We're going to do our flash five of our five faves and our five least faves. Oh, are you going to drop the, the end of this? 
Are you going to drop in the Flash 5? Oh, of course. Oh, nice. Yeah. Got a few other things I'm going to drop into this section as well. Nice. Because we'll, we'll look at the Whitecaps kit as well, and we'll look at the other two Canadian teams in a bit of depth, and then we'll we'll do our, our top five. Now, the, the Whitecaps kit had been leaked a few weeks ago. By EFC, right? Yes. And the Whitecaps owned it, made a joke of it. So yeah, that start. was good. That was a good response yeah. from them. I, I know, because as we talked about, you go all that effort, and then it's just, yeah. you, you can't do it the way that you want to do it. Now, the, the thing was, because we had this discussion, is I thought it was a black kit, and you thought it was Dark Navy, and you were what, what? right. Can, can you say that one more time, Michael? No. Every time I say that, you ask me to repeat it, and I will never repeat it. Well, at least I haven't recorded. I should loop it somewhere. I, I cut it out in the actual recording. I just say it to, to make you think that I've said it. Stopped clock is right twice a day. That's true. That's true. The Whitecats 50th anniversary kit is now official, and it's navy and gold. Gold! And a little bit of Brian White as well. And yellow. Bit of yellow in at the side. Is that yellow or is that still gold? It, that looks gold. yellow to me. No, it's got to be gold. Gold! No, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. There's a couple of things I don't like about it. I think the TELUS branding is way too high in it. Like high up on the kit? High up in the chest. But they're not the only team to have that. So that must be a design choice by Adidas this year. Well, some are a little bit lower, like Yeah, some are lower, but there are a few others that are quite high. Like the the TFC one's quite high. We'll get on to the TFC. So you're saying the Telus is too high? I think it's too high. Uh like even when I look at the one picture here on a human being, it's <laughs> normal. Huh. Doesn't seem high to me. Oh yeah, it doesn't seem high. The a, a few folk were disappointed that it didn't have a hoop. Could have seen a maybe a thin gold hoop would it would have worked? I think it would have been quite nice, but the tell us would have needed to be a bit lower for that. I I saw some people saying oh, that this has nothing to do with the white caps, <laughs> which is why I saw that many places too. And it was just like it just. I mean, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Uh, it sounds like I'm laughing at people, and I. I that's you were. I was. I was. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it it, it just. I, I try and say this in an, in an as non-snobbish way as it sounds. It's just because people don't know the history, yeah. Right? Which is weird. Which is weird because in the ML, it's it's not like in the MLS era they haven't gone out of their way to try and celebrate it, right? They sold the 1974 jersey one year for yeah, people, right? I I I actually have one that was made by a company in England called Toffs, and it's the red one with the white and red badge. I should, I wore it actually on a on one of the recent designated player podcasts that I did, but I think a lot of folk, those that do know the NASL history a little bit, they're familiar more with the wave crest. Yeah, of course. So that's why they look but, at this but, and they go, "This has nothing to do with the Whitecaps' fiftieth." But those who know the club know know that the logo is is connected to the inaugural yeah. jersey. And I I think it's really smart. Oh, that look makes me feel you disagree. I uh I mean I think it's not like the it's not like the worst kit they've had in MLS era. Uh like yeah, the said, little I, triangular I, one. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the the nod and the use of the original logo. I think is is nice. 
I just feel like it's on the whole. Well, first things first, th this has nothing to do with the Whitecaps, not a knock against the Whitecaps, because I'm pretty sure this is from Adidas and not, not you know, not, I don't know that they would have had a tr big choice in this. I don't like, uh, other than maybe the color, I don't like the white bit down the side. No, I'm not, I not like that, that either. Actually, I don't even like the little white bit in the collar either. I don't like just... a lot of the collars on the, the kits. Uh, some of them year. are nice. Uh, some of them, one of them Some's is got like a nice a button little up. button one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah but, I don't want to scroll my top five, but that one but, might be in my top five. So I don't blame the white caps for, for like, for that. I just feel like it's, um, and maybe they wanted, uh, you know, a simple kind of straightforward uh, jersey to celebrate the four, the 50th. Again, maybe also connected to the simplicity of the in, in, initial one, but it, it just feels like it's too simple, maybe or something. I, I don't know. Mm. I uh, I liked that it was dark navy because obviously it's like Scotland, and their first yeah, yeah. head coach was Scottish. Yeah, totally. You could but, so so I don't think I actually, all this is. I don't think it's bad, but I don't I don't think it's like amazing. Well, is that fair? Yeah, because I I'll I'll say now it hasn't made my top five. Oh yeah, no. Whereas some of the other Whitecaps ones in recent years have. I, I yes. thought they were very striking. I think this is striking. I think the gold, I... gold! is striking. And it, it, it is real gold. gold! Judging by the price tag. <laughs> yeah, that is. What is that all the MLS kits though? Or there's just this one? I don't know because most of the other ones I've seen has, has been American pricing, which is 160 American. So very possibly... Because I went on, I went on um, fanatics. No, no, I went on. No. Like I clicked on through to the you know whatever, and I they, they, like last season's like um, authentic ones with like a, a name on it was like yeah two hundred fifty or sixty dollars, the authentic version, not the replica. So oh these ones, yeah, these ones are with no name are like whatever two ten two fifteen two twenty. Or whatever. Well, I tell you Canadian? what, I just checked the TFC one, and it is two hundred and seventeen dollars as well. Canadian, yeah. So it's yeah. not. I don't. So I don't think the white caps are setting the, the price. Right? Oh no, it's, no, the white caps are certainly not setting the price, and I'm pretty sure that that is not. The, but what, okay, can you see there? Ideally, can you wanted. see there what the last year's authentics were? Because were they uh, that high, or they were they? No, like they one? were they were way less than that. So it's so but everyone's jerseys now have just like yes. with inflation have all just gone up or something like yeah it seems crazy to me i don't know maybe the little bangladesh kids that's making it's had a, a, a wage okay. demand this increase is this is where we play the, the the old angry men or the old men michael my first the first kit i ever remember buying was the canada home red score kit i bought it at the sky dome cup in january 1995 Wow. And I paid, I think, I think I bought it there. Yeah, I'm just pretty sure I bought it. And I think I paid 40 or $45 for it at the time, which I think at the time felt like a good deal. What What's the first kit or and or what's the cheapest kit you've ever bought? Um, I paid two shillings and tuppence and four milk bottles for <laughs> my, <laughs> that's how old I am. No, the first kit I would have bought, well, I know, well, the first kit I know I had was a West Ham kit. Uh, they're very famous. It had like V's on it, uh, claret and blue, obviously. Um, the first one I would have actually bought with my own money would have been an East Fife kit in the mid eighties. But like even nowadays, like the the East Fife kits are forty pounds, so you're talking maybe sixty five dollars. Yeah. 
always blowing bubbles. I, 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 I know that you love West Ham. Of course, the, the East Fife kits as well are also black and gold. gold. Yeah. I, 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 one more, can I say one other thing about the Whitecaps kit? Yeah. Because obviously they're not, they're, there's three, correct me if I'm wrong, there's three clubs celebrating 50 years, right? Yes. Vancouver, Seattle, San Jose. Yes. I think they did better than San Jose with the logo. That is a design choice. <laughs> Sorry, did you say that is a disastrous design choice? A disastrous design. I don't know. They literally, they literally just used the logo the way it was. Right? Yeah. I made yeah. it bigger. <laughs> yeah. It stands out. Yeah. And it, it does. doesn't it doesn't complement their shirt sponsor. I no. think that's what makes it look worse. Even worse, yeah. But the whole thing, it just looks like it looks like someone took an, a retro logo and put it on a modern top and those styles just clash. Like it just yeah. it, it, it's so it bad. does feel though with some of the kits this year, the Adidas just seems to have got a, a job lot of really cheap white material. From somewhere that they're just well, no, trying I think, to piece well, together. Well, remember some though, kits. some of them are replacing their secondary kits. That's why yeah. they're white, right? So yeah, because that, that there's a mix of, uh, of secondary and and primary, but it is mostly secondary ones that that we've seen. We'll get into the other two Canadian teams now because I guess if we're talking about just plain white tees, not the <laughs> yeah. band. What what's going on with the TFC one? I don't know. I think is there like sublimated stuff in it? Oh, I I I know what's going on with it. Um, I I I thought you just meant in general. It kind of feels like it's like, a, like, the, like a like a shaded version of the logo is in the corner. It's their community kit, and yeah. it has an interlocking shield pattern that you really have to look very closely at to see. Like, see, when it's just lying down flat, you cannot see that it's a shield pattern. It just looked like a white T-shirt. No, but even when it's lying down flat, it looks like there's a giant shield in the bottom right, and then it looks like there's two shields in the upper left. Yeah, it's an interlocking shield pattern. It's weird, man. It's the first TFC kit that features their secondary crest Low as well. Crest. Which I'm okay, because that secondary crest is, in some ways, way better than their primary. Yeah, I, I don't mind it too much. A lot of the fans have felt it wasn't red enough. The kit or the yeah. logo? Uh, I guess the kit. It it has kind of almost flashbacks to the 2020 Unity kit that they had that was just white with some kind of zigzaggy lines on it. Mm. But that that was better than than this one. I I don't like this one at all. It also it's part of their GTA campaign. Mm -hmm. which they're running until the 2026 World Cup, which, if you hear GTA, you would think, oh, the greater Toronto area, they're appealing to people outside of Toronto catchment area. But no. Do you know what the G stands for? Grand Theft Auto? Global. It's a global Toronto area kit. Yeah, that's weird. Because they're worldwide. I mean, I that's where I predominantly grew up in. I've never thought of it as global Toronto. No, I think they're thinking the world. Yeah, like people from around who live in Toronto from around the world. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know. It's lost on me. I'm sure TFC fans know what's going on with it. The general reaction from their fan base though was not good. Whereas 
Most of the Whitecaps fans, I think, like the Whitecaps kit. The TFC fans did not like their kit at all. Montreal fans, on the other hand, really liked their jersey, the La Main. Yeah. It has impact on the neck, but I dot M dot P dot A dot C dot T dot. I actually really like the Montreal kit. I I do as well. I, I, I think it's getting I ahead of our top fives. I think it's the best of the Canadian kits. I would agree. I yeah. I I think it's very classy. Vancouver like... coming in a solid second of those three. Oh yes, <laughs> and coming up the rear as it probably will be in the MLS standings. Judging by how poor their squad build has been, is TFC. But that that Montreal kit, the I mean, what what would you describe the blue thing as that goes down it? It's not a sash per se. Well, it's but... in it's in the area that one of the, t- the the classic areas that a sash would go, a mm. straight sash. But it's a it's like a or like sound wave, like a sound. Oh, kind of is right? like that as well. What Montreal are, are describing it as is they, they're saying it's a vertical blue stripe located yeah. on the side of the heart with the pale blue colour of the jersey reminding us of the St. Lawrence River. Yeah, that's that good. didn't look that blue when I was I was there, I've got to say. But the, the back of the jersey features symbols linked to the club's history. Droit uh, de Vaughan. I don't speak French. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Meaning straight ahead. Devon, taken from their their motto, uh, to ensemble draw Devon. Oh, jeez, <laughs> murdered that. Apologies to any French listeners. This is why when I was doing the under seventeen nationals, and I said to the Canada soccer official, "I can have a go reading out the French," and then I tried it, and she's like, "No, no, just you stick to English." <laughs> <laughs> and as I mentioned, the IMPACT, which stands for Inclusivity, Memory, Passion, Ambition, Collectivity, and Talent. No, it just and means impact. I, I also like on the front that it's got five symbols that you would find on the Montreal flag and the, and the coat of arms as well. The yes, that's, yeah, and yeah. Four others. I think that's what really tips it over for me. I just think it's very, very classy. I really love it. And it probably won't surprise people after me saying that to find out it features in my top five. I I think let's just get to that now. It's time for our 2024 MLS kit. Flash five. Flash five. Rank it, baby. Five to one. So how we'll do this, we'll start with our, our least favourite ones so far. I've got my five up on the screen in case we wanted to delve into any of their stupid explanations for it. So I don't know how best to do this. Let's just... Wait, wait, wait. wait can we, we, I, I, I got... Can I just name my the worst one that we have to agree on? So your overall worst of the... Oh, the overall worst one. Okay, let, let's start with that then. And if this is in, if this is in your top five, I don't know if we could be friends. 
<laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just oh, joking. Oh, no. Now I'm worried. I'm looking at my top five and my worst five, which has changed a couple of now, times. Now, I also I also want to talk about something about these later, but, but I'll save that for after. Okay. the To me, the worst of all of these is the, and I quote, the Afterburner Kit by FC Dallas. Oh, that did not make my... Michael, look Worst at that five. thing. Look at that thing. How, how that is a horrendous kid. How can kid you look at that? And <laughs> I just I just showed it to Kirk and he averted his eyes. <laughs> it is so ugly, Michael. I can't believe I like Lamar Hunt is rolling in his grave with his with his marker on the back of it. I I I don't mind it. Oh, Michael. I is did it, not is it Kirk? Honestly, it's like it's like a it's like an exhibit you take to camp that camp leaders would show their their kids. You know what they do they show they say you know what they say at camp they say no purpling. <laughs> you know what that means you know when you mix the blue and the and the oh. red together, guys and girls together, you get purple. Yeah, they say, guys stay away from girls, girls stay away from guys. No purpling. That's what this. That's what this shirt is a reminder of. I have never I'm, heard I'm that gonna bring, before. I'm going to give them to, to this to them too as an example. They can use it camp this summer. I I don't know. I just I liked it. I thought people could use it if they're trying to work out what color to paint their walls. Oh it does look like a paint swatch. It, it's it, so ugly. But I feel there's there's worse than that. Okay, give me your worst then. What's New York the, Red Bulls. Well, okay, Zaggy Legacy Kit. I have Deadbull on my worst list because they're Deadbull. Ah. Which I'm biased. I, I fully admit it. I bias, but. I, I just don't like get that. it. And I, I actually watched their video talking about because, how it was their legacy Michael, kit. How can, you, how can you have a new kit without a video for it? But they didn't every, even every explain new... why it looks like this. They just kept saying, this is our legacy. Zigzaggy lines. I, yeah. You kind of <laughs> look like some kind of weird animal. Well, they're dead bulls. That's what they are. Hmm. Is it the blood of? I don't know. It's okay. to me. That's the hideous one. That's in my bottom five. Okay, I'll, sure. I'll I'll give you my five from five to one. Now I have to check this because wait, can has... I can I can I just finish mine because mine are not in a great order. Oh, okay. Those two are in it. I also have because of the after uh, the sorry the previously mentioned reasons. I have the San Jose earthquakes in the bottom five. Oh, I didn't have them. Um, uh, and I stayed away from most of the, um, most of the ones that are just plain white or just, I just left them out just cause they're so boring. Um, where's my other ones here though? Uh, okay. No, I'll leave that for the middle. I'll explain that later. Um, oh, I didn't, uh, sorry, I guess, I guess that's three. I've given you four. One of the other ones I'll say is Nashville. Uh, I, yeah, I, just, I don't like I don't like how they have uh, it, it looks like it looks like um, the hoop is too high. Yeah, like the TELUS logo. Yeah, but I don't think the TELUS logo is that awkwardly high. But yes, so that was on my list. And then where's my last one here? I think my last one I'm going to go with uh, my, on my on my bottom five is there it is, is the peak Utah kit. Oh, I had that as my sixth worst. Because just the, like... Actually, maybe seventh, because I wasn't sure between them and Colorado. Well, because just because you have these two contrasting styles, right? Like, it wants to be Barcelona, 
And then they're like, it gets to the top. It starts at the bottom. It wants to be Barcelona, Barcelona, Barcelona. And it gets to the top and it's like, we're the mountain team and here's a normal jersey at the top. <laughs> like, See, the, it doesn't know what it is. The thing with the jerseys this year, I found, was there were some that I looked at and when I first saw them, I loved them. And then the more that I've looked at it, I'm like, oh, I don't like it as much now. And actually, the Whitecaps is one of those. I still think it's a good kit. But when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then the more I look at it, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. The and then there's the col- some that I thought were really bad. And then the more I've looked at them, I'm like, actually, I quite like that. And my prime example of that is the Seattle Sounders one. Yeah, yeah. That well, right away I had as the second worst. I have a couple of mid ones that we're going to talk about in a minute that are kind of like that too. The, the, the Colorado, you mentioned Colorado. Colorado, mm. kind of like Philadelphia for me, is a little bit of like, I think they made these jerseys to like hypnotize the teammates or the or the opposition. I, I wrote down mindfuck. Yeah, because when you look at it, you're like, you're yeah. crazy. Yeah, the Philadelphia one just looks like you've been sick down your front there. When you, look at it, when you look at it close up, Kirk, Kirk's laughing at that. When you look at it close up, that when you zoom in on it or see the close up, it's just like it's so almost like blurry that you're just like, am I going crazy? <laughs> like it's just like if I was standing next to that, looking at that on the field, it would like, yeah, it would like oh, maybe would like maybe so yeah, it's some kind of weird psychological thing. It's so blurry, you know. You're just like, wait, what, what, what? And you're so distracted. Well, here's my bottom five. And okay, fifth, give me your, give me I had five. Charlotte's Carolina Explore Kit. I don't know. There's just something about that. It just looks quite. Oh, the one, the one tacky. that has like different layers of the water. Yeah. 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 That's fair. I think it's it's primarily the top layer, because it's a different size because of the arms. Yeah. And it just looks weird. Now. Is that the shape of the state or something? I think it's just going up to the mountains. Yeah. But the like. It, it looks almost, like they ran. It looks like they ran out of color. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the white cats one that I really liked, the sea to sky one, but it oh, was yeah. it was more gradual and quite classy. This yeah. just because it's so uneven. I don't know. I just I look at it and it just it looks much, like a kids designed it on MS Paint. Yeah, that's true. Though as much as I didn't like the uh, the sea to sky one, I I can appreciate why people did. With this one, you're just like, yeah, it looks awkward. It looks unfinished. Yeah. Yeah. Number four for me was that's a good the, call. Good, that's a good show, by the way. Was the Sorry. TFC one? So I had that uh, as well, number I, four. I as much as as much as I don't fully get the imagery in it, I actually think it's not a it's like a not a horrible kit. It's just the, if I I maybe have to see the imagery in person, but mm, otherwise the rest the rest of the elements I think are fine. My third worst, I went with St. Louis's. It's one of the white ones, right? Yeah. The the Confluence kit. The the reason I went for it, like, again, see when I see it lying down flat, oh, yeah. it yeah, just again, looks it... like a plain white kit. And then when you actually see it, it's got all these weird lines. wavy lines. This is obviously clearly... There's something in my mind that when I see lines and stuff that are so uneven, I really don't like it. It's going to mess with those cats that love Purina. Well, it's <laughs> it's also the flag looks weird because it's meant to be the rivers and stuff. 
And I don't know. I mean, it might be one that really grows in me. And initially, I actually had uh, kind of, was it going to be in the top five or not? And then the more I looked at it, I didn't like it. To me, to me, I add that one into the Colorado slash uh, uh, Philadelphia one, where it is my, kind of mind bending. Yeah, there's there is a lot of kits I think that are kind of in the middle. You could like them, you could not like them. I don't know. They could go either way, and the more you see them, you might change differently. And I might feel different about my number two as well. But right now, I hate it. I do like one aspect of it, which is the sash, and it's the LA Galaxy kit. Yeah, it's another weird one. Yeah. I just don't like lines. This is this is clearly what it is. Yeah, it is weird. It just, again, it is like an almost psychedelica kind of thing. I do like that they've, they've gone with the sash, but it would have been nice if it was the blue sash, because that, that is your iconic LA Galaxy kit. Yes. If you that think one, of the, the Galaxy, one the Golden Ball started sash. in, yeah. The first one when they made the yeah. switch, that is and, iconic. And the other iconic one is the... The green and yellow one, the one from the nineties. That yeah, but I, that uh, the teal and whatever that was ugly in my opinion. But yes, it is iconic. Yeah, I mean it is that iconic one. But the sash kind of saved it. But mm, yeah, I just don't like that. No, at all. I, I it is this one is really ugly. I, I I forgot how ugly it is until looking at it now. It's weird because too they went with all yellow for the. I mean, sorry. The, the the thicker lines you know on the stripe and on the uh, around the bottom and on the side is all yellow and then those thin awkward lines are the I think they're navy blue mm. um, or they're black or navy blue whatever and so yeah it, it does look weird just outside for me I had the, the RSL one and like I was mentioning with the the sounders one I had it in my bottom five and it really has grown in me and when you see it from a bit of a distance, it really pops. When you see it close up, I don't like it as much. But when you see yeah, it from further away, yeah. When you see it from further away, it's really striking. I also like that they've got the original Sounders logo on it. They've yeah. got the little whale guy in the back. And it's quite a fun kit. It's yeah. certainly better than some of the other Sounders kits. Some people have that as their number one. They feel that's the best kit. And it's like... Mm. But it has certainly grown me from when I first saw it of, oh, that's horrible. To, so what's your, you, have you said your worst one yet? My worst one was the, the Red Bulls Legacy. Oh, okay, yeah. Zigzag. Again, it's the lines. I just don't have lines. I, I think I would have that number two after, well, I mean, it's Dead Bull, so I, yeah, I really hate them. But um, the what was the other one I said? The first, oh, Dallas. Dallas, I'm sorry. It's just so ugly to me. I... I if we didn't agree with our worst five, I don't think we're going to agree with our best oh, five either. Absolutely not. I'll give you my five wait, to wait, one. Wait, 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 before we go to the top, can I say some ones that I think are mid? Yeah. You know, this might ruin some of your, you don't have to say if they're in your top five. But I want to give some shout outs to, I think that, uh, I'll just go down the list here, and not in order, but in club order. Um, I, again, I'll talk, actually, yeah, well, there's another category I want to talk to you about after. Um, <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Chicago Fire. I think it's it's kind of I think it's one of their better ones returning to their style. Yeah, and with so the hoop. It, it's not perfect, but I think it's 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 like solid middle middle table. Um, who else did I want to mention? Oh, I, I don't I don't think this one cracked my top five, uh, and it's the the sponsor is still kind of hard for me to have associated with this club. But uh, LAFC, 
Um, mm. I, I also, well, you and I talked about this before, I think, recording. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I have appreciation, but only at a middle level for Minnesota United. Mm. Um, they kind of got one for this Northern Lights, this kind of thing, a little bit like, uh, or not maybe not Northern Lights, but this. Yeah, the space. Stars in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, uh, Cavalry has done kind of, I think, sort of on both their kits. <laughs> And we'll, hopefully we'll talk about the... the oh, no, CPL we'll do a CPL one, yeah, for the um, CPL season as well. The, the Minnesota one, like the Seattle one, but in reverse, when I saw it, I loved it. But the more I've seen it, I'm kind of like, eh. When you see it close up, it kind of feels... It's almost like it's got, like, dandruff flakes on it with the stars. Yeah, for some people, that's on a, maybe a nice excuse. Yeah. Um, and then the last one uh, I want to mention in the middle here... Well, I would sorry. I would put the TFC and the Whitecaps in the middle uh, as well, personally. Um, but um, the I last get barn the fucking lot. <laughs> the last one I put in the middle is um, I sh I'm sure the 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 um, those who uh, appreciate indulging in the herb are like probably just gonna buy this kit. Is the uh, what? Oh wait, what's it called? The the nature unites kit from the Portland. Yeah, with the the leaves or the leaves growing out of the side of it, and their new sponsor that appears to have what looks like a butterfly in their logo. Yeah, it's... Anyways, I think it's middle to me because it's either really going to be really great for them or it's horrible. It is one of those really weird ones. Like when I when I initially saw it, I was like, "Oh wow, that's kind of cool and different," <laughs> and then. It's like, hmm, I don't know that I like that at all. I'm just looking at it again just now as as we do this. It's Does it give you the munchies? <laughs> I they've had some really good kits. I liked their tartan one that, that they had. I thought that was very good. But yeah, the more I look at this, I, I like it less and less. That's why for me it's only in the middle. Well, none of the ones that you just mentioned there have made my top five so that's good I'll, I'll i'll do my five to two i won't give you my number one just now okay so in fifth place i've got new york city fc and the reason i went for this one is i quite liked it because it's almost like a half and half kit because you've got one half in the blue, one half in the orange, and it really mixes the, the orange and blue colours up. I think it's quite a unique kind of take to it. And obviously, I like black kits and stuff. I, I just think it's quite a striking one. Uh, number four for me, and we had a little chat about this kit before we were recording, the Atlanta Resurgence kit. Because on, on the back of the, the kit, it's a phoenix rising from the flames so it's resurging yeah i i really like this for me i do i know it's their secondary kit i just i don't i don't know i don't like the colors i don't know if they've had a kit this color before and i just not remembering it but the blue and the yellow and the two different shades of blue i don't know i i mean if you put that in an eagle and put it in black and gray maybe i would love it but but uh -huh. um, but I don't know. There's something I didn't really. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm sure for them it will sell because it does. It is quite a. You know, one of the things about this is make something different for your fans to want to own, right? Oh yeah. So I for them I could see it probably selling well. 
I, I'm just going to share my screen with you for a sec because you need to look at this weird uh, picture that they've got on the MLS site of the kit. So this is the player in it and it's just somewhat unfortunate, the shadow of his hand. The shadow of his hand, yeah, that picture, I see it. Yeah. Where it looks like it's a wing of the bird or something on his leg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like, coming to attack him. Yeah. So that was that was my number four. My number three. Mm -hmm. So I don't. Um, neither, of the, neither of those two are in my top five. Oh, interesting. And I really don't like the New York City FC one. My number three and my number two. It's probably going to surprise folk, but I like it because they're so clean. And number three for me is FC Cincinnati's canvas strip. I just think that is such a clean white strip. If you're going to just go for a white strip. Keep it simple, but how do you, very attractive. How do, how do you call? How do you call the edging of that simple, Michael? Well, I was going to say, and what sets it off for me is the edging. I think the edging is, is, not, is so ugly. Oh, I think it's beautiful. It, looked, it reminds me. It reminds me of the, like a South Africa kit from like back in the day. But like, it looked good on South Africa. It just uh, does not look good here. I was me. thinking, kind of like Aztec kind of stuff. I I love it. I love that. And just the colour of it and everything about it. I just think that Cincinnati kit is like, moi. Number okay, two so for me is oh, Montreal. I'm for three for appreciating yours. No, Montreal. Nice. Montreal is in my top five. Yeah, they, so they're my number two. And I'll sh I'll keep off my number one. You, okay. can, you can do your five to two. Okay, I'm going to list you. I'm going to list you. Oh, I might just give you all my five because the, the order for them, I don't really have a great order for them. Okay. Yeah, I'll okay. I'll go from the top. I've okay. kind of hinted at what my number one is earlier, but yeah, it was think... about an hour ago. It feels. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, if you're still listening, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why, but for some reason, because this this is not my favorite color, as our listeners will know, but I really like, um, and it, it's very plain and very simple, and I usually don't like the differentiation like between the arms and the rest of the shirt. But but and it partly is the way the logo looks on the shirt. But Austin FC, mm. like I I'm torn in this. I don't know if I like it or not. I yeah I like it. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't buy it or anything. It's the armadillo kid. There's a little armadillo in the bottom right corner. The logo. I, 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 think I do really love armadillos. Good. I think I don't. I don't even. I can't remember. You've told me before. I don't know what Yeti is, but it. It, it fits the, the kit like I, yeah. I it, it's just something about it that just matches so that's definitely in my top five um it's a it's a big hairy guy no what's the no they they make uh like mugs and stuff oh, okay also um, my top five is one that you you mentioned uh which is the montreal kit i think it's really really well done uh, then I also have one that you didn't mention. I skipped it over here. Oh, is uh, number one? Maybe. Uh, they've done kits with these elements in them before, and they've been one of the, arguably one of the, the best kit makers in the MLS era of, of uh, in their sort of rebranded MLS era, and that is the Diamonds Are Forever kit from Kansas City. That just fell probably sixth for me. Because they they've gone with the argyle pattern again. Yeah. It's not I'm, as striking as their previous Ar yes, argyle ones. That that is fair, but in on this group of jerseys, which I think is poor on the whole, they they make it in the top. So that's three, right? 
Yes. Uh, I know my other one is there. Did I skip one? Did I? I maybe I put one in my. Oh no. Okay. My last two. Okay. My last two um, is, uh, and I know it's been. Uh, I like the name of it. I think this is, and I'm going to talk about the names when we're done talking about these. But I think this is the best, maybe one the best named kit in the whole thing. It's the home kit by Columbus, aka the Charlie Brown. Oh, that wasn't the one. I thought you were going to say. No, I. I oh, think the home kit. It's called the home <laughs> kit. It's like the only kit that has an actual proper name in the list that I can tell. And it's the Charlie. I'd Brown never kit. even noticed that, but yeah, yeah, it's the Charlie Brown thing. It's Charlie Brown. I I really like it. Uh, that's in my top five, and then the last one that's in my top five, which might be your number one. Now, usually I would say use this, use this as toilet paper. It's the it's the flounders. Okay, the flound the flounders kit. I think, uh, and you mentioned a bunch of these things already. The the logo, using the old logo, uh, in the way that they did, I think, w- really well done. Yeah, uh, message for San Jose. The yeah, the whale is is nice for yeah. people. I think the the old Sounders wording on on the front bottom corner is great for them. I think. I also think the the fact that it's um, the 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 tint of the colors is different or old i don't know if it's a uh, in i don't know if it relates to the original kit but it's different than their um different than their mls green and and blue a little bit and it's also a kit again i don't know if this is uh, i didn't i don't think i read this that it is but i don't know if this is meant to look like a a, 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 a it's a play on a retro kit but the thing that i think is good for them about it Another thing that's good about it is it's different than what they've had in the MLS era. And so I think for them, it's going to sell like hotcakes. The only thing I think some of them might not like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, is the sponsor Providence. Is that not the same sponsor of the the old sponsor of, of, of Portland's ground? Yeah, Providence Park, possibly. That's the one thing I could see putting off some of their supporters, but probably not enough to not buy it because it also is one of the smallest sponsor logos of any of the kits like it's really small so i don't know that it's my number one but it's 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 those are my top five for sure like i said it's definitely a grower for me i i like it less up close than i do from a distance my number one and you haven't mentioned this at all in any of the things that you've said so far if i was to say honor thy history oh it's so ugly how can you like that one oh you don't like it? It's Orlando City. It's got, it's got the button, which is nice. But yeah, the, I think the, it was the button that sold it for me. No, those colors on the. I color, love the what, colors. What what are those colors? It's purple and red. Purple, and lilac. I would say lilac. It's purple so ugly. and red. But I I love the three headed lion crest. Yeah. I think that's good. I like the honor of thy history. Yeah, uh, the, the history of stealing their football club. Well, from yeah, there is that. There's a big. Uh, Highwayman's mask on the back of the kit as well, and then the X down the bottom. I I just think it it's really good. Uh, I think no, it, actually, I'm surprised it didn't make one of my worst. Yeah, there there is one part of it that I don't like, but this is quite common on all the strips. I'm not a big fan. Is the three stripes on the shoulder? They did the stripes, and they've done it different this year. Like they're short. The Adidas has done this before. Where they, it's not the whole sleeve. Yeah, I don't. 
they they all look really weird, and I'm getting a kind of seventies retro feel to it, which is kind of apt, I guess, for some of the clubs. But it really spoils quite a few of the jerseys. Okay, can we talk about the last thing now? Can we talk about these? Yeah, names? I'm I'm just looking at the Minnesota one again. I do like that. Maybe I should have made that into top five. See, it's another it's one I like from a distance, and I went off it when I started to see it closer, like close. Yeah, because you're closer. It looks like a. It's like when you're when you're painting Tifo, and you and you have that person who drips a lot, or they they when they're painting they flick it oh. and their brush oh. splatters, and then you either just leave it and hope people don't notice, or then you say, "Hey, we're gonna make a splatter pattern all over this." Oh, because, make because there's been one mistake, so let's just make it look like it's not a mistake and we'll splatter the whole thing. <laughs> and that's what the shirt looks like a little bit, but I it's definitely mid for me. It's it's like I think they'll sell good for them. Mm. I mean they got Dane Sinclair wearing it there in the in the one photo, right? Yeah. With the so, with the shades. What was the last thing you wanted to say on, on this one oh, hour I'm, part? <laughs> that's no, probably I, gonna yeah. help take this to a three hour show after all. These names, man. Oh. These names are so many of them are so bad. It's I, like I, Okay. I tell you what one I think is just terrible is the Boston Tea Party kit. For New England? Yeah. It's yeah, like, absolutely. what? You've just like come up with a, a famous thing in the history of your city and you've just said that it's the strips because of that. But like, Let me just go through these really quickly. The resurgence kit. No, I'm sorry. Like... I, I watched the video on that one. It's like, hey, Atlanta's about rising above. And like, I'm like, okay, no. The armadillo kit? Okay, fine. They put an armadillo in it. Yeah, Texas. That's that's not horrible. Uh, Charlotte, the Carolina kit? Not horrible. That's fine. Whatever. Chicago Fire, the return to red? I'm, I, that's that's a stupid. The, the Cincinnati, the canvas kit? It's the white shirt you just have to what I don't know. It's stupid. It's a blank canvas. You can the do one, what you the want. one kit, uh, the one kit from Colorado. Oh, sorry, the one flag kit from Colorado. What's the one flag? I don't like. I, it's, I, whatever. I didn't read. I didn't read up on all of these. The home kit, obviously, for Columbus Crew is probably the best name. The Dallas afterburner kit because you got all that blending over there. Still horrible. The, DC United the icon kit, whatever. Uh, still holding jersey. The Houston title. <laughs> Hang tough there in, in Houston. Um, now Kansas <laughs> yeah, City. That, that Houston are... one, we haven't talked about that. It's, it seems to have nothing to do with their, their usual colors. It's weird. No, there's the orange is the, the trim. Mm. Um, they've done a kid that color before, I think. Um, Sporting Kansas City, diamonds are forever. Okay, that works. That like That's that's fine. Uh, a Galaxy, the Angelino kit, that's fine too. Uh, LAFC again. Here, LAFC. Here's another one. This this is maybe the tie for the best one. You know what the LAFC one's called? The primary kit. Oh yes. <laughs> um, Inter Miami, the togetherness kit with two as the number. <laughs> so bad. Um, Minnesota, the Starry Night kit. At least that is what it is. Quebec, Le Main, uh, Quebec, Montreal, Le Main. They describe that. That's that's fine. The six fifteen kit for Nashville. I guess that's the area code. The Boston Tea Party again, awful. The Dead Bull, the Legacy Kit. Yeah, your Dead Bull is killing football clubs. That's really good to highlight that. Um, the twenty four seven kit from from Man City Light. You, like you're supposed to wear the kit twenty four seven. Like I don't I don't understand. Legacy Kit from Orlando again. Legacy of Death. Uh, the the uh, Philadelphia Union is the the fifteen kit. The XV. The fifteen. I guess that's an anniversary. The the Nature Unites Kit from Portland is so funny. 
peak Utah, whatever. Seattle, San Jose, Vancouver, the 50th, those all make sense. Those are fine. And then the GTA kit was a bit of a joke. And the Confluence kit from St. Louis, like I just, the names of these things are ridiculous. And the marketing, the, the stretch of the marketing is like, I don't know. It's too much. Those clubs that just said, this is our primary kit, this is our home kit, I appreciate that so much more than the, hey, let's stretch to talk about how this connects to our community. No, I, I, have, I agree, because it's like, when I was going through them all, and I hadn't read everything, and... I only read some of them, but... Uh, yeah. well, I, I get a lot of the emails come on the club's mailing list, so some I'd read, some I hadn't, and then I was reading the rest tonight, and it's like, man, just say it's a white kit. <laughs> it, they just... I, and they've got to just give a story. I don't know when this started. There's things in football you oh. just you you don't know when it started. When did putting the ball at a corner kick as far out of the the line so it's just touching the the little arc of of the corner flag and all that kind of stuff? When did these things start? When did it have to be a big story to launch a kit? Anyway, let us know what your thoughts are you probably completely disagree with most of mine there no but yeah seriously po post on twitter or email oh Michael. yeah i'd love to hear what people's thoughts are and what they I, what they I, loved or what I, they didn't i put a shout out tonight but it was just before we recorded so we haven't really had many replies yet but brenton caps offside his favorite... brenton brenton uh I, I i i probably i disagree with him on a few things i probably agree with him on a few things but brenton is someone i appreciate his perspective on kits because he deep dives on this stuff and is really really into it Self-proclaimed kit nerd, and he yeah. went from Minnesota as the best and TFC as the worst. Oh, okay. I, I can I can go with both of those, I've got to say. And if I was to do this next week, I'd probably feel a bit differently about some of them. But that is it for this part. It was a bit longer than I thought it was going to be. It's not it for our MLS chat, though, because the season kicks off. Not for the Whitecaps, but for everyone else. And there's some big talking points going into the season. And we'll be back talking about those and take you all the way back to 1974 after this. Hi, I'm Mike Dean. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Brought to you in partnership with recoveryfamilylaw.ca. And kicking off this part, get out your tartan scarves, your tartan flares, your tartan everything really. We've gone back to 1974. And the first time this year that we have played a song by a band that exploded onto the scene in 1974, the Edinburgh Tartan Teen Sensations that were the Bay City Rollers. They were huge in the UK. They were huge over in North America as well, as Tartan took hold everywhere. They had released a couple of songs, but this was their big breakthrough record, released on January 4th, 1974, Remember, Sha La La La. The song taken from their debut album, Rollin, that was released later on in 1974 in October. The single was a slow riser. Eventually it reached number six in the UK charts, which was their their biggest hit today of the couple of songs that they had released this week, 50 years ago, in its fourth week in the charts in the UK, it got up to number eight. There wasn't really any new releases or new entries into the charts this week that kind of grabbed me. Elton John's Candle in the Wind was released, but not really the kind of song that we play in the show. So I kept the glam theme going there with Bay City Rollers. And I'm sure we'll hear some more songs from them over the course of our year as we pay tribute to the year that was, 1974, in honour of the Whitecaps' 50th anniversary. Elsewhere, music-wise, this week, 50 years ago, Susie Quattro was still number one in the UK with the song that we played on last time's show, Devilgate Drive. Terry Jacks, who had been number one in Canada for four weeks, finally hit the number one spot in the US with Seasons in the Sun. And replacing Terry Jacks in Canada was Barbara Streisand's The Way We Were, which had been number one down in the US before. In Whitecaps Lando, from February 19th, to February 25th, 1974. It wasn't the busiest of weeks, but the Whitecaps did hold open tryouts at Empire Stadium on Wednesday, February the 20th. 28 local players were invited along to the trial, and we'll, we'll talk about just a, a few of them in this little section. So among those 28 players that were invited along was Sam Linarduzzi. The Whitecaps had been courting his brother Bobby, who was over in England playing with Reading. More on that in weeks to come. Sam was also a defender, and he had played on the BC provincial team since 1966, and was currently with Vancouver Italia in the BC Soccer League First Division. Sam eventually signed for the Whitecaps and went on to make 16 appearances that first NASL season, adding just a one assist. And he went on to play five seasons for Vancouver from 1974 to 1978, making 98 league appearances overall, scoring two goals and adding three assists. Sadly, just leaving the team the year before the soccer ball triumph in 1979. 
Two local college goalkeepers were also invited to the open tryout. Tony Chursky of SFU and Gary Weber of UBC. Weber was eventually signed as the backup for starting keeper Sam Newsom for that 1974 season. He played three matches that inaugural year. And in total, he spent three seasons with the Whitecaps in the NASL, making 21 appearances. And that included playing his most games in a, in a single season, 14 in 1975. Some of the other local players that were invited to the tryouts, or at least the ones which were mentioned in a province article the day of the trials, were forward Chris Bennett. He was highlighted because he had scored the winning goal for BC in their Canada Games win over Ontario the previous summer. He was playing locally and he was another player who signed on later for that first season in the NASL after the tryouts. And he just played that one solitary 1974 season with the Whitecaps, making eight appearances, scoring two goals and adding one assist. He went on to play three further seasons though in the NASL, two with Seattle, one with Memphis, but never got another goal in the league and didn't score for any of those teams. A few days after the tryout, head coach Jim Easton jetted off to the UK for a 10-day trip to England and Scotland. The aim, to secure the talents of players currently playing professionally over there. Now, some of the players would be permanent signings. Some were just for the summer. Who would they be? Find out soon when we go back for another week in Whitecaps land in 1974. So from the past, straight up to the present now and the MLS season that kicks off on Wednesday as Inter-Miami host Real Salt Lake. Five o'clock Pacific time kickoff. Ridiculous in many ways to have a single game to kick off the season so many days ahead of all the other games, but of course it's messy and they want the eyeballs on that. So that's why that is taking place. The rest of the games kicking off on Saturday. The Whitecaps getting a bye week as well. Not in action until the following Saturday, March 2nd, when Charlotte come to town for their season opener at BC Place. Now, we were going to do a full Western season preview for this episode as well, but I thought I'll save that to next week's show, just in the build-up to the Whitecaps' first game. Also, will give us a chance to have our first look uh, all the other Western teams in action. So we'll bring you that on the next show. Either me and Zach might get Felipe on to actually do that one as well. But for this part, I do want to talk about a couple of things that are, are going to have an impact in MLS this first week of action. And the first of them, we, we kind of touched on it when it was first announced back in December, which is the, the various innovations that Major League Soccer have added to the league for 2024. The first of those is the off-field treatment rule, where if a player is down on the ground for more than 15 seconds, the referee will stop play, the medical crew will come on to evaluate the player, and then the player has to leave the field of play, where he will stay off the field for a minimum of two minutes for further assessment and treatment. That, as with a few of these was first implemented in MLS Next Pro midway through the 2022 season and then all of 2023. 
and it was implemented to, to good effect as well. There are, are a few exceptions. If it's a head injury, goalkeeper injuries, serious medical events, or if it's that the player has gone down because of a foul that's resulted in a, a yellow or a, a red card. So a lot of these are to try and just stop time-wasting the dark arts of the game, which when it's your team, you don't mind. And obviously when it's against your team, you're absolutely fuming about it. And another one of that is the timed substitution rule that was enacted in MLS Next Pro all of the 2023 season, where a substituted player has to exit the field within 10 seconds. Failure to exit from anywhere on the pitch within the 10 seconds means that the player coming on will have to wait 60 seconds before he can enter the game at the next stoppage. So players that's just trying to run down the clock, if they don't get off enough, it's the team that's going to get penalised. Again, exceptions to that are for injury and goalkeeper substitutions. But throughout 2023, when it was getting used in MLS Knicks Pro, 99.7% of more than 3,200 substitutions were completed in the 10 seconds or less. In terms of players that's maybe they've both had to go off because of a head injury, collision in the box, a halfway line, just heads coming together, both players will go off the field at the same time and both won't be allowed to return to action. If one can't return and a substitution has to be made, then the, the first player can come back on. And the other two I really, really love. The first of them is in-stadium VAR announcements. IFAB have approved this, so VAR decisions will now be announced by the referee to fans in the stadium and viewers at home. We've seen that implemented well at some of the FIFA World Cups the last few years. It's really good. It lets everyone know what's happening. It lets everybody know what the decisions have been. And it can only help like get that understanding as to what has gone on. We've seen it to great effect in rugby over the years. We see it in cricket as well. So very, very much looking forward to that taking place. And the final initiative, which is excellent as well, is that the scoreboard, the video board, stadium clocks will now run past the 45 minutes of each half to include the additional time that has been added on. So we could see it running up to 95, 99, over 100 and that's going to save me in particular putting my phone on to kind of count down how much time has been added on and how much time we've got left. So these, I think, are all excellent initiatives. I was on a call midweek with some people from MLS just chatting about these initiatives. We're going to bring that out to you as an extra podcast. And one of the things that was mentioned on it was sometimes they're slow to take these initiatives because the the traditional aspect of the game people don't like changed. Now, I am an old-fashioned, grumpy traditionalist, and I love these. I think it's excellent for the game. It's going to be excellent for those watching. Everybody's going to know what's going on in the terms of some cases, and it's really going to cut down on a lot of the time-wasting as well. So all of that, I think, is absolutely fantastic. Now, one initiative that is missing from all this is goal line technology. It's something I feel there's a very pressing need for in the league. We saw a few instances last year 
where VAR could not categorically state whether the ball had crossed the line or not. So it was a question that I put to MLS Executive Vice President of Sport and Product and Competition, Nelson Rodriguez, along with MLS Next Pro Senior VP of Competition and Operations, Ali Curtis, to ask, is that on the radar of the league to bring it in? Here's what they had to tell me. But I want to ask about an innovation that hasn't been announced. And I think it's one myself and many others have been looking for the league to bring in, which is goal line technology. Because there was a few incidents last year where VAR maybe missed whether they could categorically tell if the ball had crossed the line or not. Is that something that you are looking to bring in at some point? We are considering it uh, for MLS. Uh, We're looking at different options towards uh, goal line technology. We're also looking at and considering semi-automated offside technology and looking at uh, at different options and different vendors in both of those. Um, So it's it's something that we are strongly considering and continue to review and examine. I'll just make the point since it affected uh, the U.S. Women's World Cup team and, and it's amazing that it didn't gain traction. They were eliminated on a Penalty kick that goal line technology uh, demonstrated as having been across the line, but it was across the line within the margin of error. Um, so I, I I think the U.S. showed great class in just accepting that. But we'll look at that. It's 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 been on our docket for a few years, and will continue to be closely examined. The other thing I'll add, um, uh, Michael, to to Nelson's point is. Um, you know, there are other areas of the game that we're looking to uh, potentially implement new rules. You know, we, we had a couple conversations with IFAB over the last couple months, um, and we've had numerous conversations with our on-field innovation committee about potentially implementing, um, you know, some new rules or some new innovations uh, within the game. Um, I don't think that will modify any of um, uh, implement new rules into MLS Next Pro the beginning of this upcoming season. Um, But you may see some new innovations, um, some new rules potentially um, in the summer, um, depending upon how those conversations go with IFAB and with our committee. Um, But we're trying new things to to the extent that it makes sense and we feel it's going to be positive. Um, so, So yeah, more to come. So some interesting stuff there on the potential of goal line technology. They are considering it. They're looking at different options, including semi-automated offside technology. And they're looking at different options and different vendors for, for both of those things. They said it's been in their docket for a number of years and will continue to be. And it's something that they've got to they've got to address it because we've seen it last year and they mentioned there in the Women's World Cup America there was a did the ball cross the line did the ball not cross the line and ultimately America went out of the World Cup because of the decision VAR can't tell those decisions and it still baffles me that I was a a session for it in 2015 when the Women's World Cup was here they showed us it work and it seems so simple 
And all these years later, we've had all the VAR technology advancements, but we still don't have goal line technology in the league. Yeah, I mean... I think it's just a financial thing, and you'd think that with the the windfall of of the the latest expansion fees, that that would be something that they could e- easily choose to invest in to again help the credibility of the sport in on the continent, right? And it, I don't know why they haven't haven't done it. And let, like, the, is the I, cost I that co- prohibitive? Yeah, I think cost is quite prohibitive because they have to get a lot of different cameras and a lot of cameras that they haven't got just now. Right. Now, I was speaking to our good friend Jonathan Tannenwald after the call, because he was on the call as well, and he pointed out that there's a potential issue in some of the NFL stadiums mm. or the bigger stadiums because of where the camera placement would be. Yeah, And they might not actually have a place for the camera to go where they would need it. Mm. For it to be uniform throughout the league, that would make sense. That like that, I could see something like that saying, "Hey, we can't do it in these six stadiums, therefore we're not going to do it, so it's an mm. even playing field." But well, I mean, that's what they've always said about any rule changes. Like IFAB's always said, it has to be a rule change that it can be in the Sunday morning in the park or a Premier League game. That obviously goes out the window with VAR and stuff now, but so they can make exceptions. But yeah. It, I think it is just prohibitive and the camera is a big aspect. But the fact that they're looking at it and hopefully that and other changes might come soon, we'll kind of see what comes out of that. I, 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 I like. I say this too, like in the CPL, I, I long for the day where the clubs can afford to have it as well. Like it's, it's along with VAR, it's like the things you need to have, right? And so uh, I, I, for the MLS, it's it's good to hear about your conversation with Tannewell because that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. But hopefully they can find a way to overcome those obstacles. Now, all of those initiatives sound very well and good. And the onus on enacting pretty much all of those in the games it's on the referees, of course. But what referees are we going to see in the opening week, weeks off the season, that are going to implement these new initiatives? Because earlier this week, representatives of the professional referee organisation, PRO, and the Professional Soccer Referees Association, the PSRA, they reached a landmark collective bargaining agreement. Or so they thought. It was an agreement that included the largest compensation increase in pro-referee CBA history, representing a 25% overall increase over 2023 when comparing salaries, game fees, benefits, plus the addition of business class travel for certain matches. MLS and Pro said that the agreement would have made pro members amongst the highest paid soccer match officials in the world. A tentative agreement was reached last weekend. However, the PSRA members, who officiate regularly in MLS, voted this week to reject the deal, much to the surprise of the PSRA's bargaining committee. 98% of the membership took part in the vote, with 95.8% voting against it. So you're talking large numbers here. Did not like what this deal was that that had been brokered. Now, the proposed new five-year CBA would have provided significantly improved pay and benefits for all officials, 
particularly assistant referees and video match officials. The key terms included overall increases in guaranteed pay in the agreement's first year, 10 to 33% increases for referees, 75 to 104% for assistant referees, and 15 to 100% for video match officials, plus increased match fees for regular season games and playoffs. An increase of 7% in 2027 for all salaries and retainers and match fees was also on the table, the highest mid-contract raise ever offered, with 3% increases in all other years. First and business class air travel would be provided for the playoffs and the MLS Cup throughout the deal and for decision day in 2027 and 2028. Additional benefits included enhanced injury continuance for referees and assistant referees, physical therapy reimbursement for referees and assistant referees in pro sports performance programme, employer contributions for assistant referees and video match officials for reimbursable healthcare costs, and increased severance for referees and assistant referees. So the PSRA bargaining committee was happy with that. The members, though, were not. And the members also rejected a proposal from PRO for the parties to mutually agree not to institute a strike or lockout through the 2024 MLS Cup while negotiations continue. Because that was rejected, PRO has now locked out the PSRA match officials, effective from 12am Eastern Time on February 18th, So as you listen to this podcast, all of the PSRA match officials are locked out. Now, all three sides did issue statements. MLS Executive Vice President of Sport and Product and Competition and Nelson Rodriguez that we just heard from there issued a statement that said it's extremely disappointing that the officials have voted against the tentative agreement on a new collective bargaining agreement reached by the PSRE and by PRO. PRO worked for months and addressed all the issues that were raised by the PSRA's bargaining unit. It's also unfortunate that the PSRA rejected PRO's offer for a mutual no-strike, no-lockout commitment, which would have allowed all match officials to continue working during ongoing negotiations. PRO has informed us of its contingency plans for the upcoming MLS season, which includes utilising experienced professional match referees supported by veteran VAR officials. We are confident in the comprehensive plan that they have put in place. Now, Mark Geiger, PRO's general manager, said, Time has been of the essence to conclude a fair deal and move forward together with renewed positivity ahead of our 12th year of supporting the growth of the professional game in the United States and Canada. We made meaningful progress during recent bargaining, agreeing to fair pay increases and addressing many of the PSRA's concerns with respect to non-economic items. This represented approximately a 25% overall increase over 2023 when comparing salary, retainers, game fees and benefits, plus the addition of business class travel for the playoffs. The result of the membership vote is disappointing. 
The PSRA has rejected a no-strike, no-lockout proposal from Pro through to the 2024 MLS Cup, which, along with their public strike authorisation, has created significant risk as the 2024 season begins. We are left with no choice but to institute a lockout and use qualified, non-bargaining unit officials so that games can go ahead as scheduled. So basically, as in 2014, it is scab labour that is being brought in, non-unionised officials. Now, Pro and MLS say they remain committed to reaching an agreement with the PSRA, but the PSRA executive leadership have also issued a a statement on this, uh, as you would imagine, saying that their membership's rejection was a result of Pro's economic package falling short of expectations, along with a lack of quality of life improvements, which the members needed to improve for their working lives. Unfortunately, Pro negotiators failed to heed PSRA's warnings at the table that the tentative agreement would fall short of membership expectations and that they would face an uphill ratification process. So there's clearly a breakdown somewhere in communication between the negotiators and the the members as well as to to what was wanted and what was going to be agreed there. Because the PSRA members have also experienced additional frustration during the bargaining process due to unfair labour practices the union has alleged on the part of pro-managers, creating what PSRA refers to as an unfair playing field in terms of reaching a contract that fairly rewards the officials for their hard work and dedication to the game of soccer. Now, the quote from Peter Manikowski, who's president and lead negotiator for the PSRA, said, We live for this game, giving it 100% of our dedication, experience, fitness and ability. The skyrocketing growth of MLS has significantly increased demands on officials mentally and physically, and as such has increased demands on both our professional and personal time. Our members are asking not only for fair compensation at a time when the league is reporting record growth, but also for the ability to take care of themselves on the road and at home to continue officiating at the highest level that this sport demands. PSRA officials, who work mainly in MLS, have been under an agreement that was ratified in February 2019, and it actually expired on January 15th this year. Their members twice voted for contract extensions to allow additional time for bargaining in the hopes of reaching a ratifiable agreement, and they expired on February 12th, 2024. The resulting tentative agreement didn't meet PSRA members' needs, with Manikowski explaining, feedback from our members indicated the failed ratification was driven by issues with the compensation and benefits Pro was offering, as well as a lack of improvements to travel, scheduling and other quality of life issues. PSRA is committed to promptly returning to the negotiating table and bargaining with Pro to reach an agreement that appropriately values the immense contribution of officials to the sport of soccer. So heading into this first week of MLS action, it is going to be ununionized referees that take place. Now that happened in 2014 
where the MLS season started with replacement match officials. Now, the PSRA say that back in 2014, the officials' lack of familiarity and experience with MLS teams, players and specialised rules created a detriment for the quality of the matches. And uh, players and teams in the league are accustomed to matches being refereed a certain way, with special attention paid to dangerous tackles, head injury substitutions and speed of play rules. Now, back in 2014, that replacement officials lasted two weeks. So it's a mess. Going into the season, it's kicking off on Wednesday and it's going to be replacement referees. It's it's not ideal. What's your memories of that 2014 season, Zach, with the replacement referees? Mine's was that they were actually not too bad, but when I had this discussion a few weeks back on Twitter when this first came out, Folk were like, no, they were dreadful. There was lots of mistakes. But I, I don't remember that. I, re- I, I seem to remember saying, oh, wouldn't mind these referees all the time. But that might just be like cloudy memory on my part. Yeah, see, I tend to remember it the other way. Ah, that's what I most tend- folks seem to. <laughs> I tend to remember being not good. I, I know we had it in Scotland. And they brought in referees from Ireland and Malta. And the Scottish fans were like, can we just keep these guys? They're better than the ones that we've got. But it's you've got all these new initiatives that's coming on board that even the existing referees are still getting their heads around. But now you're bringing in new referees to have to try and deal with that as well. There's also, there's a few folk have said to me, scab labor's not acceptable and they would not cross a picket line to, to, to go to a game if it is replacement referees. This I mean, a lot can happen in football in short notice. We we know that. Yeah, but I, so I, I, I can't see this getting sorted before Wednesday's first game. I reached out to one of our friends in the refereeing world, and they said, uh, "They said I, well, I asked them. I said, does this mean you're you're going to be involved in officiating?'" I know. I was wondering games? if Darnell was going to get called up. Yes, I didn't contact Darnell. Just for the record, I won't say who this is because I haven't asked if I could name them. But they said. No, there's they're not quite high enough, but they know that they know some of the people who might get get asked. But also, be, like you said, because of the unionization issue, um, like last time this happened, they weren't unionized, right? Yeah. But now that they are, this person said that they think that means that pro will need to call up uh, officials from even lower down the ladder than 2014, and so the likelihood is that the experience level and therefore, I guess, the quality in theory, will will be even worse than it was last time. So who are these referees going to be? Are we going to see some young kid that's used to doing high school or elementary games in charge of a game with Messi on Wednesday? Well, it doesn't look that way, although I would love to see that. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. So according to sources in an Athletic article the other day, Pro has commitments from a total of 66 officials. Of those, 26 can be assigned as a centre ref or fourth official, and 29 can be used as assistant referees. Additionally, Pro General Manager Mark Geiger is going to dust himself down, come out of retirement, and will make himself available as a video assistant referee. 
The men that are lined up to be in the middle include 11 options with experience in the top three divisions of Brazil, Turkey, Spain, Italy, Jamaica, Mexico and Poland. 10 are former or current national referees in US soccer and multiple were recommended and work in Division 1 college soccer. Now, it's also a little bit different in Canada. All the matches hosted by any of MLS's three Canadian-based clubs will be serviced by Canada Soccer. So, it's going to be interesting to see if some of the refs I maybe know from watching in VMSL or League One might be taking the picture in charge of, of games here in Canada. Well, that's I mean, the other part of this is when, once you do that, then, like, does that mean, like, all the refs are kind of going to be localized then, right? Like, because you, you're not going to, like, you're not going to go to the v, VMSL ref and be like, hey, we need you to ref in uh, a, a Dead Bull Arena. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, are they really going to, no, they're going to say, okay, we need, we're in this pinch for these months yeah. or whatever. Let's just have local people ref lo local, you would think, right? Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm making jokes about it, but it's like genuinely, you you don't want to see scab labor brought in in any industrial d dispute. You think if if it was your own job, how would you feel if they just brought somebody in? Because you feel, oh, I'm I'm so replaceable, they can just go out and bring somebody in. But uh, there's a lot of interesting points to this, like the fact that the the PRSA negotiators thought this was a good deal despite mm -hmm. their members saying, we're not going to agree to this. And they said, here we go, this is what we've agreed to. And then they've overwhelmingly rejected it. There's big communication breaks down there. But you look at, now you're obviously getting the, the pro and the MLS wording to this, but you look at what's being offered and it, it seems very reasonable. And it's apparently going to make them some of the highest paid officials in the world. Mm -hmm. But they're wanting more work-life balance and i guess maybe they want to referee more local games as opposed to like flying across the country or whatever so they can get home to families and stuff i i definitely see both sides to this dispute it, it did feel though that the offer on the table did seem quite reasonable yeah that, i mean when but it's set up to sound that way right yeah. like i, know I mean that's always gonna it, it was like with a the TransLink dispute and stuff, it's like, they put out, it's like, oh, they want a 25% increase in photo, like, what? But it's not really that, and I don't know, I mean, we'll have to see how this goes. I was thinking about getting Darnell on, maybe in the show next week, once we had a bit more information, if the games are going to go ahead, just to get a referee's take on that. How, because yeah. there, there was the dispute in the VMSL this year, where the refs were very close to taking industrial action and not refing VMSL games because they were looking for a, an increase in, in remuneration. And I, th I think the general feeling in this is these clubs are raking the money in. You look at expansion fees, you look at the Apple deal, and it's a lot of them are owned by not just millionaires, but billionaires. And it's like you, you can't sort of spread that down to the, the officials because love them or loathe them, you can't have the game without the officials it's a no. thankless job yeah and I, I i don't know that this gets resolved quickly yeah i I'm, officials are so important and those who follow me on instagram will know i've been watching some uh middle school and high school basketball out in the area as i connect with students i i work with and 
and, and including my go to my daughter's games and like yeah watching the officials there i've been reminded of like yeah how thankless and how difficult it is when you have this you know these stands full of parents like you know shouting oh. at everything you missed and whatever or on occasion me shouting about the things that you missed but it, and it was um and so the season was coming to the end for this this high school player uh friend of mine that I was, I was watching a bunch of his games at the end of his season with with some other friends and the last game they were playing was like by far like the best referees of that they had like in the whatever half dozen games or so I went to and so like I was on my way out of the arena I just like they were standing there so I just went to them I just said hey I just want to know I, I thought you guys were really great refs and partly because you like explain to players what they had done wrong or address you know their concerns and like you really helped like I think I mean they weren't perfect right but they were just I don't know they were they were they did a really good job and yeah I, I think with with refs they don't get enough appreciation when they do a good job and, yeah. and they get a they get a ton of abuse as we saw at the yeah. end of last season when they get things wrong or literally get in the way of things I mean um, I, I'm, I'm saying I don't see this solved quickly I think if the first games, if there's some disastrous moments, we could get this solved quickly. Look at this first game, Miami at home. Yeah. I mean, who knows who's refing it? You've also got, like, the pressure on the refs because they say they're going to be bringing in VAR-experienced officials. Mm. Where do these these come from? VAR-experienced officials don't grow on trees in North America. No. Wasn't like Ishmael Alfat doing games in the Saudi League or something? I think you could be right. Yeah, he definitely uh, was somewhere because I, I I saw his name or some videos of him or something. Yeah, we were talking about this when it happened. I'm sure it was the Saudi League now. Mm. Um, and, which makes sense. It's the off season here, so yeah. Him. Plus, I mean, if he gets paid like some of the, the better players, oh. it's probably that's maybe that's what he. Maybe that's is all about. Ishmael came back and he's like, "Hey guys, we need to hey, you should see Saudi what we got money. there. <laughs> First class. I was on a private jet flight. <laughs> I, I, I just have a horrible feeling that the refs, more than usual, are going to be a yeah. big talking point on our show next Sunday. Yeah, and this delays the return to BC place of Tim Ford. Mm. Thankfully, we're not playing this weekend because we yes. don't have to oh, go yeah, through yeah. this. And it might get sorted out for week two, but it took two weeks the last time in 2014. Now, now if the... I probably shouldn't joke with this, but if the refs are bad, or the refs are locked up, does that does that mean Fanny has to serve his suspension? <laughs> maybe, maybe he could be the ref. Maybe that's part of his course. They had made him take a referee course. We have an unbiased uh, Italian descent official in the match. <laughs> We've flown him in from Italy, especially. Who's that guy? Who's that guy in the in the VAR booth with the the glasses and large nose and hat? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see how this goes. And as I say, we'll see how it plays out in the week. We might get down there on to have a little chat about how he feels as a referee and, and how things have played out. We are also going to speak to Darnell at some point next month about just the abuse of officials and stuff in refereeing. Mm. But yeah. that's pretty much it for the show. We will finish with this episode's wavelength. And I'm going back to 2014 for this episode. And since the MLS season's kicking off and it's been an MLS-heavy podcast, I think it's actually all been about MLS... I'm, I'm going to play a song about an MLS team and a, another team 
that is celebrating their 50th anniversary, the San Jose Earthquakes. And this is a song by a, a group called The Old Firm Casuals, nothing to do with Rangers or Celtic. I don't know, are you familiar at all with with this band, Zach? Uh, I don't think so. It is the band that belongs to Rancid frontman Lars Fredriksson. Oh, I know Rancid, but yeah, I don't... Yeah, he's a lifelong San Jose Earthquakes fan, and him and the band did a San Jose anthem back in 2014. It's called Never Say Die. Here it is.
The old firm casuals never say die. Lars wanted San Jose to be the punkest team in MLS. And they certainly were for a while when it was all the Goonies stuff. That seems like such an age ago in, in MLS, all, all that stuff. But yeah, I, I like that song. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a nice song. It's a good song to finish chatting about the historic season that's coming for a number of these teams. The MLS action gets underway on Wednesday with Inter-Miami RSL and then a full slate of games next Saturday. San, the Whitecaps. We'll be back next weekend to chat about all of that. Have a few interviews to bring you as well. Before we go though, Zach, any final thoughts from you? Anything that's caught your eye this week? Yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing how the MLS season kicks off. And I guess on a on a more local note for me, looking forward, to, even though I won't be watching any of it, looking forward to hearing, I guess, report or whatever reports you can out of the first week of training for Vancouver FC, which is supposed to start on uh, Tuesday. Yeah, uh, the we're going to be hopefully jumping on a, a couple of calls next week for VFC that we might bring you next week or, or the week after. And this yeah, because oh yeah, to come. We yeah, are we going to get to talk to the the, the uh, Navarro? Yeah, I believe he That's... is speaking to media on Tuesday. I'm not sure what his English oh, yeah. is like. So yeah, well, maybe, just... maybe, maybe we can have Felipe speaking Mexican to him. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I I uh, I'm excited to to see. Obviously, last season the Sandoval signing turned out to be extremely disappointing, even though he did make some contributions. Uh, so I guess I thought he'd the, come back when with all the teases and social media. It's like, oh, no, I'm just gonna give it another go. No, I was sure that was. Yeah, no, I was sure it wasn't. But I'm um, really hoping that this is uh, the type of addition that that it appears to be. Mm. He, I yeah. mean, when you when you I mean, it was the same for every player. But when you watch his some of his goal highlights, you're like, okay, this is a a guy who knows his way around. The front of the the front of that, and it scores different types of goals. Yeah, a lot of that was like U twenty three and U twenty. But yeah. I would argue that is a better quality, possibly than what you're going to see in CPL. Yeah, so I, I I'm just excited. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see him and Diaz together. I yes, mean, that is a very exciting potential strike force there. Yes, in, indeed it yeah. is. So yeah, the the first couple of weeks they're having it quite low key. They're having the open trials again. Mm-hmm. I, I'd talked about, I'd thought about paying to get a, a guy in and blog about the experience for us, but they've put it up to three hundred bucks. So I don't think I will be doing that. Yeah, I'm re- I'm I'm really sad I won't be able to represent AFTN in that. I I might just have to throw myself in. It's I'll miss the first day of it because it's the day I fly back, but I'm sure I can catch up. If I can get into the World Dart Seniors, then I can get into VFC's squad of 23 for the season. Oh, my. Uh, I was out at some VMSL Imperial Cup action on Friday night. We'll have the highlights up of that on our YouTube channel. Might go out to a game on Monday night as well out at Newton. If you're listening to this in time, 8.45 kickoff. It's the Surrey Derby. BB5 against Pegasus. Prem against Division 1. The leaders in Division 1 as well. That should be a cracking game if you mm. want to get out for some cup action under the lights on family day. But thank you from the AFTN family to your family. Have a wonderful family day. Thank you as always for listening to mm. our shows. Thanks as always to our sponsor, recoveryfamilylaw.ca. Go and check them out for all your family legal needs. We'll be back with another one soon. Until then, take care. And Mon, 
their caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs>